Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. So I need my time here so I know how much time I have today. So I have the privilege, if this is your first time in the Gap Church, my name is Yenny Abraham, and I have the privilege of serving on the Word team, and I am so excited because I get to start a series out today. And I'm so excited um, and just privileged to be able to to serve in this capacity. So today we're starting out a new series, and the name of the series is Trenches. I want you to tell your neighbor Trenches. All right, say it with a little bit of authority, like you're excited, Trenches. Right? And so for the next five to six weeks, we're going to take you through a journey and help you to understand the, the signs of the time, to equip you for what is happening. We believe that when we hear a word from God, when we receive revelation about what to minister in the Gap Church, it's because it's for a season. It's for a reason. We believe that there are specific people in this room that need this word. So when you listen to the word of God, I, I pray that you take notes. I pray that you review it during the week. I pray that you figure out a way to impart it in your life because that's why we're here. And so the title for my message in the first series of Trenches is called Insult Upon Injury. Ha <laughs> oh, ha. My people are here. I hear you. Uh-huh. Insult upon injury. You know, growing up when you hear that, it's usually said in a derogatory term, but it's also a pretty you know, common term, insult upon injury. So we're going to flip over to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25, and I'm going to set the stage. And we'll stay in 1 Samuel for a while over this series, and I pray that the Lord reveals to us many things. So before we read the scripture in specific, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. You guys know I love to give you a little bit of behind the scenes so you can understand the importance of the scripture. So in 1 Samuel chapter 25, we find David. We all know David. David, the man after God's own heart. At this point, he is in the thick of running from Saul. Everybody remember who Saul is in the scripture, right? Saul was a king at the time who was very threatened by David's popularity. And since there was rumors that David would be the next king, Saul was trying to figure out a way to take him out. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 24, we find that David finally has a chance to kill Saul, but he decides not to. He's convicted that I can't kill my king. Even though he's trying to kill me, I just can't kill him. And so we come off of this very vulnerable time. And in 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1, the Bible tells us this. I'm reading from the NIV. Now Samuel died. All Israel assembled and mourned for him. And they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down in the desert of Paran. And I just feel like I need to spend a little time. Because why in the world would we just have this one interrupted verse? Samuel died. What is the significance of Samuel in the life of David? Samuel was the first true mentor and pastor after Eli. Or Samuel was the first and true mentor for pastor and pastor for David. He was the one that was raised by Eli. He was the answered prayer for Hannah's prayer. He was significant. Back when in Israel, when God didn't really speak to people and people weren't really hearing from God, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, that in the middle of the night, Samuel kept waking up. He was like, are you calling me, Eli? Eli was then figured out after the third time that it's actually God speaking to you. Samuel was significant. 
Can you imagine you being the only one in the entire nation that hears from God? Everybody depends on you. Prayer meetings, oh, as soon as Samuel's there, we are sure that the presence of God is there. He became so symbolic, so significant. People needed him there. He was an assurance. He was an affirmation to people's faith, and he died. He died. It's almost as if David was in distress. What do you mean Samuel died? His work is not done yet. Saul is still pursuing me. I don't have any direction. I can't go back to Jesse and my family and my brothers. They didn't even want me. Samuel was the only person that saw me and remembered to call me in the field when everybody forgot about me. Samuel's gone. Have you ever lost somebody? Lost a relationship? Gone through heartbreak? Maybe suddenly someone just broke up with you out of nowhere. Dealing with disappointment. And suddenly you start to realize that you're experiencing grief and trauma and stumbling in your thoughts and wondering, oh my God, how am I going to go on? My anchor is gone. My compass is gone. My navigation system is gone. I have nothing. So many of us found ourselves in that season towards the end of 2021. It's, I'm not going to lie. There is not one person in this room who is not being stretched right now. Everybody is being stretched. Everybody is being stretched to the point where you're realizing that I have to literally change who I am to keep going. Because if I continue to maintain this composure, I'm break. I'm going to lose my mind. And some of us in these kind of seasons where we're finding that we have some mental instability, let's be honest, we're experiencing panic attacks, anxiety, depression, instability. The first thing we want to do is, let me just go to Turks and Caicos. It, I just know if I hop on a plane to Jamaica, all my problems are going to be solved. <laughs> you know, it's I mean, that's just me, you know, I'm escapism, you know, it's just like, I just know that if I get on a plane <laughs> and leave this DFW, my problem's gonna be solved, okay? Uh, I just know, just give me seven days on somebody's beach, okay? All right, let me get my little uh, virgin pina colada and I'm good, all right? That's me, right? So many of us are like that. Or, or, or what of us, some of us who just said, I think I need to leave Texas and just relocate. Yeah, it's like, I just feel like, you know, I watched Emily in Paris, and if I was in Paris, if I was in Paris, you know, we're eating some croissants, my issues would be resolved. Yeah, still eating, I can get bread. You think you can switch the croissant? <laughs> but so many of us, we try to run from the realities that we're facing because it's too much. What do you mean Samuel died? In the middle of this, David needs help. Nobody's looking out for David the way Samuel was. I mean, he's the one that literally anointed him. Nobody else is looking out. And so when trauma and grief comes, who do we become in the process? How do we cope? How do we manage who we have to be on the other side of it? When there is no direction, you ever try to put together, you know, a piece of furniture with no, you ever try to put together something from Ikea? My goodness. <laughs> no direction. Everything's in Swedish. <laughs> As I think this is A1 and C, you just don't know. And so many of us, that's where we are in our lives. 
we actually cannot interpret the directions we're getting. Let's talk. Let's talk. It's not like God's not speaking. You just don't understand it. It's, it's almost as if he's speaking in riddles and you're confused. Like how many analogies are you going to give me? Just tell me straight up what I need to do. Is it next year I'm going to get married? Do I need to apply for this school? Am I doing this? And all he's saying is wait on me. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. And lean not onto your own understanding. Before I'm called, was I listening to my understanding? And let me tell you something. God is not in the business of sowing confusion in your life. He's in the business of extracting your faith. He says, if I don't give you the full picture, is it going to be enough? Or is that all it's going to take? I don't, I don't meet and satisfy your immediate needs and suddenly I'm no longer relevant in your life. And so many of us are guilty of this. It's as if once we feel that God has disappointed us, we have our minds made up about what we want to do. And God is looking at you like, no, 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 that was not the point. The point was not to discourage you from obeying me. <laughs> the point was to extract the faith because you need it for this next learned level that you're going to. You need this for this journey. And so we find 1 Samuel chapter 25. That Samuel dies. And now David He's got 600 guys following him, and he goes to the desert of Paran, a desert. No water, no food, no nothing. Just 600 guys following him. He's still chasing. He is nobody but a significant popular guy. He's not a king. He has no title. He has no provisions. He has no servants. He just has loyal soldiers. So 1 Samuel chapter 25, the Bible tells us in verse 2, a certain man in Moab who had property there at Carmel was very wealthy. Bible says he had 1,000 goats and 3,000 ships, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. Abigail was intelligent and a beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in all his dealings. He was just, a, you know, it's just like, you always wonder that how do these wonderful, wonderful women end up with guys like this? It's like... A, how did this even shift? We know that back then the reason why that was was because a lot of times women were considered objectified. They were part of a transactional deal. So I could imagine that an innocent girl like Abigail did not even desire to be with someone by Nabal. But sometimes we're dealt with cards that, have no, that we did not even control. We're dealt with cards, we're dealt with circumstances that we did not even invoke. It's like you didn't choose your family. You didn't choose the fact that you, weren't, you were still going to be in this season. You didn't choose the fact that you were still going to be waiting on God to get settled in life. You didn't choose for your immigration status to look this way. But here you are still waiting, right? So, so many of us are in that season where we are dealt with certain cards and we're just having to figure it out. So the Bible tells us, and I'll paraphrase a little bit here because it's a little lengthy. So, so David at one point in time and all his soldiers had protected Nabal's servants while they were sharing sheep and so he figured all right you know since it's a lot of us why don't I send some of my servants or some of my soldiers down to Nabal's guys and ask them to provide us some food very reasonable request we looked out for you before can you look out for us now we're hungry we're in a desert and so by the time they went to Nabal verse 10 the Bible says this is what Nabal said who 
is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? You weren't saying men from who knows where when they were protecting your sheep. Now suddenly, you know, you have people, you know, people just switch up on you, right? That when you were doing what you were supposed to do to support them, then all of a sudden they just switch up on you, right? So the Bible tells us that David's men turned around, and this is what David says in verse 13. David said to his men, each of you get the strap. That's all he said. All of you get your swords. He's going to come and talk to me. And he said, I'm going to go and deal with them. And so what he said, about 400 of his men went up with David while 200 stayed back with the supplies. And I thought to myself that I know that this was an insult, David, but was it necessary for you to risk your life for food? Was it necessary for you to risk the men that are so loyal to you because of a simple disagreement? When we are in seasons where we've experienced perpetual injury, anything is an insult. We blow things out of proportion. And I want you to note that in your life and reflect. That why does it seem that when I'm going through it, nothing makes me happy. The smallest things, I blow it up. And so many of us have lost relationships, have lost job opportunities, and connections that God has deposited in your life because you're offense when you're injured. I want you to fix your heart and say that despite the injury, Lord, I just pray that I won't be insulted. Because insult makes you make decisions you don't need. Now, David has taken 400 of his men, and he says, let me get the strap. Let's go take care of this. And the Bible says in verse 14 that one of the servants went to go tell Abigail. Abigail, discerning and beautiful. The Bible says that they told her that, listen, Abigail, <clears throat> If David and his, we've heard rumors that this David guy is very powerful. If he comes, we're done. By, by the day, time, tomorrow, all of us will be dead. So what does the Bible say in verse 18? It says, Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wines, five dressed sheep, five sands of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. The Bible said she acted quickly. How did she have so much ready to go? I need this. This is a prayer for somebody. That when you are in a moment of injury, that when God is ready to set, to set you free and to, to help you out, that the Lord will intercept a prepared person to support you in the name of Jesus. Something that is supposed to make David seem worthless, to go and fight and slaughter people for no reason, so, to be able to shed innocent bloodshed, to devalue him as a good character in the word of God. The Bible tells us that it took an Abigail to rescue him so he will not diminish himself. And that's a prayer for so many of us, that even when you cannot save yourself and you cannot see past your pride, I pray for you, an Abigail will be sent for you. I pray that somebody who is stocked and ready to look out for you. I pray that somebody who is ready to support you and remind you of your worth. Bible says if you look in the scripture that by the time Abigail intercepted, she sent the food ahead of her. 
She said, go take the donkeys, go take the food. Sent it ahead of her. So the first thing David's men saw was the food. Settle down all the distress. <laughs> you know when you're hangry. David was hangry. When I'm hangry, I have no sense. I don't care. Get me some food right now. I'll take anything. She sent it ahead. Bible says by the time she saw David, she bent down and said, my Lord. May the Lord send you a soothe, a remedy, the right prescription that will make you completely calm, that will take you out of chaos into peace in the name of Jesus. It was an interception. And so many times we read this scripture and we just think, oh, Abigail was a wise woman. She was just available to be used by God. And so as we round up this morning or this afternoon, I want you to begin to think that when you are confronted with difficulties, what is your response? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 15, 1, this is the Passion Translation. It said, respond gently when you are confronted and you'll diffuse the rage of another. Respond with sharp, cutting words will only make it worse. Don't you know that even being angry can ruin your testimony of even the wisest men? And that is the crux of this story. That anger and insult can ruin the wisest of men. The best of us can be ruined with anger and insult. So I pray for you deeply that in this season, in this year where the siege is over, where we're experiencing double blessings, that I know that there you still have some injuries from last year. I know that sometimes you look down and you still see the scars. I know that sometimes you look in the bank account and you're seeing the impact of the decisions you made last year. I know so many of you are recollecting like, when am I going to get past this? But I pray for you in the name of Jesus that nothing will anger you, nothing will pull you out of promise, nothing will pull you out of purpose, that you will make smart decisions, wise decisions in the name of Jesus. I speak clarity over your mindset. I speak over every confused mind, every mind like David that has been distressed depressed and anxious, everyone experiencing unnecessary panic attacks. I remove that instability in your mind in the name of Jesus. I replace it with the peace of God, the peace that surpasses all understanding in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you're looking like, I just need to get right with God. And this is an altar call that's not just for salvation, but I also want to do an altar call for the people who just need their mind back. Some people who still have some injuries that have not been dealt with. Because like I said, no matter how much we try, if we have not healed from the injury, everything is an insult. Grief and trauma can make you easily triggered. Grief and trauma can blow things out of proportion. Grief and trauma can make you undo everything that God has been doing in your life. So I want everybody to bow their heads right now. And if you are listening to this word this morning and you're thinking to yourself, man, this is just, I just needed to hear this. That God, please, I don't want to keep feeling insulted. I just want you to come up to the altar right now. And if perhaps... As I've been speaking, you've just been convicted that I just feel like I need to just rededicate my life to Christ and give God a chance. I want you to come on up to the altar. I want you to come up to the altar. Don't worry about anybody. <laughs> this is not a show. This is your life. If you've been experiencing 
injury and insults. Injuries, harms, or damages that are sustained. You've been feeling violated in your life. Nothing seems to be going right. You don't have that family support you need. Nobody is checking for you. You feel so alone and you're struggling. I want you to come up to the altar. And if you are not at the altar, I want you to stretch your hands. Keep your eyes closed so we respect the privacy of us in this house. But I want you to stretch your hands towards the altar. And we're going to begin to pray corporately right now and fill this place with healing intercession. I want you to pray that Lord God Almighty, let your salvation meet these people right now. <laughs> Lord, for those who need salvation, I pray in the name of Jesus that they will see you differently. I didn't pray the right prayer. I was, I was praying that prayer this morning about that we can see the way God sees. I pray for you right now that your eyes of understanding will open up. That every riddle, every analogy that has been overwhelming you, that the God of all flesh will give you the faith that you need to support it. I pray for family issues this morning. I pray for everybody who is dealing with some kind of family dynamic problem. I pray for everybody that's dealing with some kind of sibling rivalry, that in the name of Jesus, the Lord will put a stop to all conflict in the name of Jesus. If you're in the front and you're wanting to give your life to Christ, I want you to repeat it after me. That Lord Jesus, I give you my life today. I'm forsaking my sins, Lord, and giving you a chance to enter my heart. I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior, and I confess that I need your salvation. I pray, Lord Almighty, that you accept me today in the name of Jesus. Lord God, for those who boldly stepped up today, let there be a special gift given. Let there be a unique dispensation of your power this week individually in their lives in the name of Jesus. Let it be no mistake that you visited them in the name of Jesus. Father, we worship you. We exalt your name. We say, be exalted, King of glory. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we pray. Then I want everyone to stand up. We're going to pray one prayer corporately together. You can have your seats. And I want you to pray for the next six weeks. That God, as I am going through this series called Trenches, I want you to pray for what you need from God. Everyone in here is being stretched. Everyone in here is going through something. I know what I need from God right now. I want you to take that into prayer. If there's anything that convicted you that you heard today, maybe you're guilty of being angry all the time. Maybe you've been dealing with bitterness Maybe you rejected Abigail's provision for you. Whatever it is, I want you to pray that, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, in these coming weeks, let there be a turnaround. Let there be evidence that your blood still works in my life. I want you to pray that prayer from your heart. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations, we celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2000.
817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.